Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. We are in the Easter season on the third Sunday after Easter. If you want to decode how to determine that when you walk in the church and look around, the first thing you look for is the Paschal candle that's here and lit before us. That means we're in the Easter season. The um, priest, the altar, is vested in white. That means we're in a joyous season, usually Easter. And if you hear a lot of our phrases that we're singing and chanting, uh, followed up by several alleluias, that's another good indication that we're still in the Easter season. This is a season of 50 days. The Lenten season is a season of 40 days, the Easter season of 50 days. Just numerically, that makes the Easter season greater than the Lent season. Um, So we, as Christians, need to remain in our hearts in this season as joyful as we can be, because we are celebrating still the resurrection of our Lord. However, this is the world full of pain and anguish and confusion, uh, tyranny, natural disasters. It's the same world that we were in in the Lenten season when we could sort of match our mood to those terrible things. Now that we're in the Easter season, what do we do with those? Jesus, in today's gospel passage, is prepping his disciples by telling them, a little while and you won't see me and you will mourn. The world will rejoice, but you will be mourning. Why is that? Because your hearts are tuned to what's good. Your hearts are tuned to light and life. And when you don't see me, who is your life, you will mourn. The world, who is wicked and wants uh, chaos and destruction and um, to live in the darkness, they will rejoice, but you will mourn. But then again, a little while, and you will see me, and you will rejoice, and no one can take away your joy. This comes from the 16th chapter of St. John's Gospel. Uh, beginning, I think, today in verse 16. This is, this chapter in John's Gospel is the middle of a dialogue that Jesus is giving his disciples in the upper room on the night in which he was betrayed, as we say in the Mass. So, here in the Easter season, today, we jump back in the Gospel, pre-cross and resurrection, and we are listening to Jesus' words prepping his disciples for what's about to happen. It's an interesting thing to do in the Easter season, I think. And for the next two Sundays following this, we will remain in the 16th chapter of St. John's Gospel. So the church is very intentionally in her lectionary telling us something important about this dialogue and what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and we need to hear it in this Easter season. I think one of the clues to why the church does this is because of that very fact that we are still living in a world that seems like the resurrection hasn't happened. You know, on Easter, we talk about Christ conquering death, conquering the kingdom and power of hell, Hades, the devil. This seems definitive, doesn't it? All the language, the theology that we're, that we're talking about, it seems like there should be something new that we can see all around us. A new creation has been inaugurated, we say. We say, Jesus is the first human being that the world has ever seen. Finally, he has accomplished it. On the cross, what does he do? 
he says, it is accomplished, tetelestai in Greek. The, the root of that is that word telos, you might know. It means a, a final end, a purpose, something that was always meant to be and finally is accomplished. It is accomplished. What was accomplished? The revelation of a human being. That's what was accomplished. And then in the, the resurrection, we see literally a new nature. Jesus is appearing in locked rooms. He's uh, keeping his uh, appearance from the recognition of men who knew him intimately. He is um, doing and saying all kinds of things that indicate there's something different going on here. In the resurrection, Jesus is revealing he still has wounds, but something's different. It's still his body, but something has changed. There's something new in this resurrection life. And yet, in, uh, in morning prayer, we heard that after the resurrection, and Father Ben was talking about this last week, the disciples are just fishing, you know? They just go back to their day job a few days after meeting the risen Christ. So what's going on in this season? It's a season that unfortunately, because of our nature, still has some ambiguities to it. And because we don't get things the way Jesus does, we see the disciples in this passage uh, expressing our confusion, even now in the Easter season. Jesus is talking about uh, us having joy, but he's also talking about not seeing him and mourning. What are you talking about, Jesus, is what the disciples basically wanted to say. And he knew it, and he said, here's what I'm talking about. When a woman is in labor and about to give birth, she's experiencing a lot of pain and anguish, right? The moment she gives birth, though, all of that pain and anguish hasn't disappeared. It's not like it never existed, but it's now wrapped up into the context of a new human has been born into the world. The joy of that birth is not, it's the pain of the trials of labor aren't worth comparing with the joy of a new human being born. And he's saying, that's what I'm talking about. That's what you're going to experience here. In the immediate historical context, he's talking about just a little while, you will literally not see me because I'm going to be uh, handcuffed or tied up or whatever, dragged in front of a kangaroo court, um, beaten, mocked, spit upon, nailed to a cross. A few of you will see me there, but most of you will run and hide. And then I'm going to be put in the ground. My body will be put in the ground. My soul will be you know not where. And you will mourn. But then again, just a little while, and you will see me again, and you will rejoice. That's the immediate historical context, right? And that's exactly what happened. And we take joy in the fact that Jesus, in his prophecy of this, was correct. All that transpired. It's true. The disciples did mourn. And then they saw him again, and they did rejoice. But we're still dealing with the ambiguities of their initial question here today, because 2,000 years after the resurrection, where is Jesus? This passage today applies to us, I think, in this way. We 
currently are in that time where we don't see Jesus. The disciples, thank God, and Thomas, even uh, belatedly, got to have their faith justified. They got to have their faith strengthened by actually seeing Jesus, putting their hands on his wounds, eating fish with him on the beach. We have not seen that, but we still believe. And as Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who haven't seen me and yet still believed. So here we are, not seeing Jesus, and in a sense, mourning. Even in this Easter season, there is plenty to mourn, plenty to be sad about. But in a little while, we will still see, we will see Jesus again and we will rejoice. And this joy that we will have, as he tells his disciples, no one can take from us. In other words, it's not going anywhere. It will be eternal and everlasting. So we, as Jesus' disciples today, are in the middle of a strange time and season. Next week, we will hear that Jesus is saying, I, I will go away again. It's like, in a little while, I go away. And then a little while, you'll see me. But then I go away again. And he says, I go to the Father. And his disciples are sad about that. What? Why? We want to be with you. He says, no, it's good. Trust me. It's, it's good. If I don't go, the Spirit won't come and inaugurate uh, the next part of this. And we'll have plenty more to say about that at Ascension and Pentecost. But for now, here we are in this time. And we are like children about to be born. In a sense, our lives are like that birthing process. We are partakers of Christ's new nature, but we aren't fully born into it yet. We have the pledge. We have the baptism into the church, which is our participation in Christ's death and resurrection sacramentally. But what have we not done yet? Died and resurrected ourselves. In a sense, our lives are still in those labor pains. And when we enter into our final joy through what we have to go through, which is death, we do that by participating in death like Christ did. That's our goal. In the church, when we celebrate saints' days, what day do we normally pick to celebrate in, in the context of the saint's life? It's almost always the day of their death. We don't celebrate, traditionally, birthdays in the church. We celebrate death days. And the church has called the death days of saints their birthdays because we recognize that it's when they pass through death like their Lord that they are born into the new life. Now they're just in his hands waiting on the resurrection. And that's what we all are doing as well. There's a tradition in the church um, of preparing for a holy death. Some have even said, all of life is a preparation for a good death. What are we doing in this life? We are practicing the life of Christ so that we can do the death of Christ. When we reach death, at whatever point that is, if it's an accident or an illness or just good old, old age, when we encounter that moment, we pray that God prepares us so that we can enter it, not in fear, not in trembling, not in confusion or trepidation, 
but in the joy of Christ. There may be a lot of pain that accompanies that moment, but it's a moment that is the passageway into our life. That's why as Christians, we're not afraid of death. We actually mock death. It's the last enemy to be defeated and Christ will finally defeat it when he raises all of us up again. So we enter into it knowing that this is a, it's a broken gate, it's a broken door. It doesn't lock, it doesn't close all the way. It's just barely hanging on its hinges. And so we walk through it in, in triumph as Christians. That is how we hear the gospel words today. We don't see Jesus right now, but we will when we pass through that gate. It's like St. Paul says, when we see Jesus, we will be revealed with him in his glory. When he's revealed as he truly is, we will be revealed as we truly are. And so all of our lives are working out our salvation so that when we're revealed as we are, we look like Christ. If we don't, well, that's not, that's not going to be good for us. So our life is about conforming ourselves to Christ to look like him so that when he's revealed and we're revealed, we look the same. The words of Christ today in the gospel are comforting words, and that's what we need to take with us. Whatever mourning will happen in this world, they're birth pains, and they are not even worth, as St. Paul says again somewhere, considering in relation to the glory that will be revealed. As in, they don't even, you can't put them in a ratio. That's how different they are. The glory of that day versus the pain of now, not worth comparing. So we begin that journey refreshed. We know that's our life journey, but today we're here to refresh ourselves in that message, to be reminded of it, to prepare ourselves for a good death and to prepare ourselves immediately in this context for receiving Christ's body and blood, his crucified and resurrected body and blood. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.